0: What's up, y'all? It's your host, Keon Maris. Welcome to the Free Game Podcast, man. I'm so grateful and thankful for you guys to be tuning in. Um, I'm finally getting into the groove of things and just getting more comfortable being myself and just speaking on here. So, you know, as we continue to grow and as I continue to improve as a speaker and grow my confidence, I hope you grow with us as well. So thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Today we have a great guest on here today. Her name is Miranda Cooper. She is a strength coach, um, a kinesiology graduate from McMaster University. That degree is so undervalued and underappreciated because they possess the knowledge and they, they understand what it takes to teach quality human human movement. And She's a human movement specialist and she understands what it takes to create and train a quality athlete so if you're looking to train like an athlete to become a quality athlete then look no further man this is the episode for you i don't care if you're a student athlete an athlete if you're the everyday person just going about your fitness journey trying to live a healthier life this is the episode for you please tune in please continue to rock with us and just spread the word about what we got going on here welcome to episode 5 and this is the free game podcast So
1: how have you been man? COVID is kind of messing with everybody. Um, How has that impacted you?
2: Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, About as good as one can be doing given the situation. I'm currently out of work like a lot of other people but I'm trying to stay positive and take this time to relax which is something I don't often do. So Mm -hmm trying to make it a positive make it productive but also you know focus on the slower moments in life
1: well that's good that's good that's good man um so let's take you back to the beginning where you uh started out playing soccer and heading into university you kind of transitioned out of that so talk about your journey as a soccer player and and why you decided to, to go elsewhere when it came to university?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I didn't start playing soccer until I was, I think, nine, and that was recreational soccer. You know, I primarily, yes, soccer was the sport I primarily played, but um You know, it was never my life. It wasn't Mm. one of those things where I was born into the sport and I was raised in the sport, you know. I didn't start playing competitive until high school, so it wasn't my life. I, you know, I did a lot of other things. I I did a lot of acting growing up, so that was a big hobby. I was really into the arts. Um, I did competitive swimming when I was young. Um, And then I kind of just did various sports. I did a lot of school, school teams.
0: I did wrestling,
2: volleyball, you know, track, cross country, just kind of explored different sports. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was going into university, you know, especially soccer, women's soccer is very competitive. And I was already interested in strength and conditioning. I had already done my first internship when I was 16. Um, So I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. So rather than focus on playing a sport, I decided to transition to the coaching side and focus on that during my degree.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, you have a
1: degree in kinesiology. So for those who don't know, like what is kinesiology?
2: Uh, kinesiology is essentially the study of human movement. Um, there are a variety of different areas of study within kinesiology. Um So it can look really different from person to person, depending on what your area of interest is, but consistent, at least with the degree that I did, which was at McMaster. And from what I know of other kin programs, they all consist of of an introduction to anatomy and physiology, nutrition, epidemiology, uh, biomechanics, which is my personal favorite and motor control.
1: Wow, that's actually amazing. Um, So, like there's a lot of trainers out there nowadays and some of them have certifications and some of them don't some of them some of them they just you know wing it so would you say that kinesiology is an essential asset to the strength and conditioning coach or is it just like something that can help
2: uh you know that's a hard question i think certainly right now in the, you know, the world we live in, degrees are important, you know, education, post-grad, undergrad is all really competitive because Mm -hmm. everyone applying to every job has got something behind their name. So I think it certainly helps. And I think the knowledge that you can gain in a kinesiology degree is very key knowledge when it comes to training, you know, just... Mm -hmm the the topics that I mentioned, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, motor control, those things you'll see on a day-to-day basis when you're training and
0: mm-hmm. when you're
2: programming. So I do think it is really important. That being said, I don't think the degree in itself is a promise of anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think just because someone has that degree, therefore, they will be a good trainer. I think there's so many different aspects that come into being a good coach, being, you know, a good trainer um, that kinesiology won't provide in itself. So, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think just because of the competitiveness of the field, because it's become a booming field really quickly, um, it will help you get ahead. But that being said, I don't think it's necessarily enough. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not my promise.
1: So, like, from my experience, like I've been through a lot as an athlete um, mm-hmm. with trainers who haven't had the, the the best knowledge, and like I've suffered because of it, getting injured. And um, so, like, if I'm an if, if I'm a prospective athlete now coming up, um, and I'm looking to get into performance training to better myself, what would you say are some attributes I should look for? and a good strength and conditioning coach?
2: Um, attributes. Okay. Um,
1: or knowledge, maybe. whatever.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's the thing. So as you know, it's hard to narrow it down to attributes. Cause I think that it's something that really is differs from person to person.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There are different ty- type of trainers out there. You know, there's, you know, the big personalities that can be really great for team training, for example.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: you know, there's more quiet personalities, which is kind of how I've been described as uh, when I've been a strength coach, which I tend to to flourish better in the one-on-one training side. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of attributes, I think that totally depends on you as a person. I think the most important thing between trainer and client is trust. So mm-hmm. as long as you can you feel as if that person is someone that you could eventually put your trust in because in order to work hard, in order to see those performance goals be achieved, you have to be able to push your hardest. And in order to push your hardest, you can't be afraid of failure Mm -hmm. because that's an inevitable part of training. So Mm -hmm. for sure that, but um, I think there's definitely if you're talking about, you know, maybe red flags, when you're looking at new trainers, I can definitely think of some that, you know, come to mind instantly when you're looking, you know, when you're talking to a new trainer, before you commit to anything, before you start training with them, there's some, some things that should happen and that should be put in place. For example, um, movement assessment, You know, if, if a trainer tells you, okay, we'll get started right away, you know, I'll send you a program and they haven't done a movement assessment with you. They haven't done a fitness assessment with you and they haven't asked you about your injury history. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a huge red flag. Nothing should be started. There should be no training started. There should be no programming started until those things happen. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how do you set goals and and a plan of progressions when you don't know about injuries you don't know about imbalances you don't know about basic areas of weakness and areas of strength you know you're not going to put the fastest kid on a team on a speed plan yeah and nothing else if really what they need to work on is you know their endurance so yeah there's certain things to look for in trainers and i think that's one thing that's really important that A lot of people who are outside of the field don't necessarily know Mm -hmm. about that you know it's not always the best to be with someone who just wants to jump right in Mm -hmm. uh doing that groundwork first is really key and that's how you're gonna get the results that you want and uh primarily most important you know injury free
1: Mm -hmm. no that's 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 good man like so common like you see a lot of people they just focus on going hard it's not really calculated and and it results in in injuries and a lot of people pay for it like Mm -hmm. the other day i know we spoke about kyle kuzma Mm -hmm. you know he was working out with the lakers and and he was performing some some uh what was it what was it uh deadlift right trap bar deadlift yeah and yeah man it just didn't look too right but um I think it's very yeah, it's very important. It's vital that that guys understand the value of a good trainer. Um, but like, what's also become like a very popular issue in society is that um, a, a lot of women face pressure um, to sort of like fit this like standard where you know they're 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 maybe they f- they feel pressured to get surgery or you know get inductions or something to, to fit that mold, and, and not a lot of um, people t- take the healthy route as far as like working out to, to get their desired results. So how does a young woman navigate that pressure in today's society?
2: Yeah, um, that's such an important question. Um, I think, I mean, the simplest answer I would suggest is just delete Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, we all know that's not, you know, realistic. Uh, unfortunately, as a society and for women in particular, uh, we've been subjected to a world where parents, particularly what you see on social media, uh, determine status, popularity, and now we're associating it with moral, emotional wellness. That's
3: mm-hmm.
2: something that's coming with this fitness boom. So we associate these icons we see on social media who physically may look healthy or fit. Um, and we use that as a goal to work with,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, that external pressure is really hard to navigate, especially for a young woman. And I think one of the key things to really remember and to constantly remind yourself is that, you know, Instagram and social media in general is all a narrative. People Mm -hmm. pick and choose what they share, how they share it in order to create a certain narrative that they want other people to, to view them as or to Mm -hmm. view them. Um, so I think that's really, really key in alleviating that pressure is, you know, constantly for people to remind themselves that this isn't necessarily reality, you know, Mm -hmm. people can choose what they want to show, how they want to show it. Um, but in terms of your, the second part of your question, like how can someone achieve their goals naturally? Mm -hmm. Uh... I mean, I think we need to remember how big a role that genetics play if yeah. we're talking about you know we're talking about strictly appearance goals, right? Um, there are three basic body types. There's ectomorphs, which is uh, the long and lean type, so low yeah. body fat, so low muscle mass, endomorphs, which is higher body fat and a higher tendency to store body fat. And there's mesomorphs, which is a naturally muscular build. With high metabolism and responsive muscle cells,
3: mm-hmm. so
2: generally speaking, the people that we see in these fitness Instagram pages are generally the mesomorphic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just be, but just because you know your friend or someone else that you know may have a six pack doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually fitter than you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, you know, that's just body types. That's how they work. So I think. Um, making sure that you create some kind of goal setting for yourself is really the most important part of this and kind of two aspects to remember when you're goal setting is one to make sure your goals focus on what your body can do rather mm-hmm. than what it looks like. So, you know, rather than setting a goal of, Hey, like I want to get a bubble butt because that's a huge <laughs> thing right now. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. You know, like we're talking reality, right? So maybe, you know, change that to uh I want to increase my glute bridge to two hundred pounds,
3: mm-hmm. for
2: example. So rather than making that aesthetic goal the the umbrella goal, you'll make it a performance goal. And while you're working towards that performance goal, you're naturally gonna achieve that aesthetic goal as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Most likely. You'll be, you know, you'll be Working towards it without that being the main focus.
3: Mm -hmm. So it's
2: a little bit of a healthier approach, I think. Um, And then also, another important aspect of goal setting would be to focus your goals on yourself and not about others. So, you know, rather than saying, oh, well, this person runs a 5K in this time, so I want to run a 5K in this time you know, alter that, say, okay, over the course of X amount of weeks, I want to decrease my split time by 10 seconds per kilometer for a five day Mm. run or something like, you know, something along those lines and then set yourself the short term goals. But just make sure that you're not setting them against another person because, you know, once you reach that goal, that person may have reached another goal and then you're chasing that. And then, you know, all you're doing is setting yourself up for feeling.
1: Exactly. I mean, so yeah, that
2: would be kind of my top two things.
1: So how would like, uh, so what does it look like? Like, cause maybe like, a, I, I've also heard like a lot of women would be like, Oh, um, I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to get, uh, diesel or muscular. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: talk about that.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a, that is a common thing and you know and it's crazy you know i remember one of my friends who's a personal trainer uh i think she was trying to recruit a client once and the client literally said oh well i don't want to look like you you're too broad i want to i just so i don't want you to train me because i don't want to look like you yeah and you know my jaw dropped when i heard that story because that's just so absurd to me but unfortunately you know that's how a lot of people and especially people who don't have any knowledge of mm-hmm. and how the body works that's the approach they're going to take you know they're going to see someone really thin or or you know really really muscular and say okay well i need to follow their plan because i want to look like that unfortunately it doesn't work like that you know everyone's body is differently there might be people that yeah when they start lifting weights put on muscle really quickly and mm-hmm. are gonna get that that hypertrophy but that's where you need the expertise of a trainer because that comes down to you know sets and reps mm-hmm. they, they all you know the different ranges that you're working in are going to achieve different different results um but people also need to understand especially women when they're you know scared that lifting weights is going to make them you know bulky whatever you what you were referring to is that building muscle increases your metabolism hmm so you know, the more muscle that you're putting on, potentially the lower body fat percent you're going to have. So it's it, you know, it's not a linear thing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's dependent on so many different things. Um, and also, when you say lift weights, no one's saying that you have to lift three hundred pounds.
3: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that is unfortunately a common misconception, and it it's incredibly um incorrect and it's a shame because a lot of women are you know scared to go that route but i think you know if you're having those types of feelings it's really important to get in contact with an educated trainer with someone who can guide you through that and really explain to you you know what the different results you're going to get from different types of training and Mm -hmm. why that could be beneficial you know the short term the long term and from an aesthetic point of view from a functional point of view
1: right yeah um i'm glad you said the functional point because i feel like a lot of people sacrifice and don't understand the importance of being functional and and how it applies mm-hmm. to your life five years down the road rather than just okay i want to look this way now and i'm going to take this drastic diet to either gain or lose weight um and I'm going to just go and do a bunch of hit and not and understand how this could possibly hurt my body. So, um, talk about like, just like the how a person should even look at fitness in terms of like longevity, like what's the importance of being strong and lifting weights or mobility and being functional, you know, moving well. functionally.
3: Yeah,
2: no, that's, uh, That's a really important point you bring up. And I think what first comes to mind for me is this kind of the term fitness right now to me is a little bit convoluted. I think Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's bodybuilding and there's these physique competitions and they're being now associated with fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, which to me doesn't necessarily, uh, Mm
3: correlate
2: uh there's a lot of practices within you know crossfit bodybuilding physique competitions whatever it may be and i'm not i'm not knocking these uh these organizations at all but i mean fitness to me is is optimal health right that's Mm -hmm. kind of you know what goes hand in hand with that term and i think that a lot of these concepts don't necessarily Uh, promote a a necessarily healthy lifestyle like you Mm. said things like extreme dieting and you know using supplements and for example you're talking about uh, constant HIIT training Uh, that comes to mind makes me think of you know CrossFit training where you're doing 50 box jumps in a row okay that's that's not healthy yeah (laughs) if we're if we're being you know, honest here, it, it it may help you reach certain goals aesthetically, and it may feel great, and you know, give you um, a different opportunity to 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 feel a different way coming out of a different fitness session. But you're talking about longevity. The stress that that does on your joints is not something that's uh, maintainable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's not something that you're going to be able to continue doing, or if you do, you might, you know, wreak havoc on your joints down the line.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think it's really important that people understand that fitness is, and, and health in general, has so many different aspects. Like you were mentioning mobility. Mobility is a huge one that people forget about all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's really important because it goes into every movement. You know, you're, you're going to the gym and you're squatting and you've got a blockage in your ankle and your dorsiflexion is limited. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to be pushing your weight in a way, either forward or backward, that's going to affect the the function of the whole movement and potentially put you at risk for injury. Mm -hmm. You know, little things like that, that people don't, don't necessarily know and don't necessarily think about. And that's why it goes back to what I said earlier about uh, movement screenings and fitness assessments being so key when you're looking for a trainer, because those things need to be identified before those exercises are being loaded right before you're putting a barbell on your back. You need to know that you have the ankle mobility and the the hip mobility to do the squat. Right. Yeah. Yeah um but you know in the long term things like uh knee injuries and stuff you know ankle injuries that athletes are told to push through you know that's that becomes really scary because down the line these are the people that might not be able to you know run around with their kids and you know go for a walk in the evening
1: yeah because you know there's so much pressure Especially on the men's side, that if you're not pushing through your injuries, you're you're soft, and and it's finally beginning to change. Like like in basketball, we see load management and and guys mm-hmm. taking control of their careers, but um uh, still like on the lower levels and and guys were not really educated to be telling people that. Like for me, I suffered two ruptured patella tendons, so like. Mm-hmm. I, I it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty, I think there needs to be some type of standard, uh, especially in performance. Um, Cause like people, the general public, like you said, they they have an idea of uh, health and wellness and it's more so aesthetic driven. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Yeah, no. It... Yeah, go.
2: I was just going to say you, you brought up a, a really important point about, Men's sports, in particular, with that stoicism mm. being so um, driven into the culture,
3: mm-hmm. that
2: that has uh, made way for a really bad culture around inju- In excuse me, <laughs> around injuries and uh, recovery from injuries. Um, I know plenty of friends and and family that have suffered injuries and just continued to play the sport until, you know, they can get a surgery or something or have come back from rehab way too soon or haven't really done the proper rehab because it's not mandated as such. You know, it's not, it's not, um, it's not pushed. I even, even, even in women's sports, I remember when I got a bad concussion in my, grade 12 year Um, and I remember right after I got hit I was on the ground it was halftime and I was really not feeling well you know my head was spinning my head was hurting and the coach was kind of like okay get up second half you know and I did I played the second half and then the next day I couldn't remember the whole game and then that I went to the doctor and they said yeah you shouldn't have played that second half. Cause the next day I, you know, I didn't know the score of the game and I played the whole thing. So, you know, and that's only, you know, that's a small snapshot of what men's sports go through. Mm-hmm. I think male athletes.
1: It's, it's unfortunate, man. Um, Cause you know, we did train together at some point or in the same vicinity and like, they shall remain nameless, but, um, three months post-surgery, um, it was just like, oh yeah, you're good to go. I started doing plyometrics and all that. And I just remember my, my knees burning. So it's crazy. Like, what do you think we can do to, uh, fix this like, uh, macho mentality and kind of like educate, the sports yeah. world and the and the general public on like okay this is this is what health really looks like you don't have to sub, succumb to these pressures
2: well i think you just you know said the key thing there it's education i mm-hmm. think really is key and i think starting that from a young age is really what is going to make the difference um unfortunately Youth teams obviously are usually the lowest in terms of funding and often the head coach or, you know, the head sports coach ends up simultaneously being the fitness coach. Like Mm -hmm. I know that was the reality for me growing up. My swim coach was our fitness coach. My soccer coach was our fitness coach for quite a while until we started getting proper sport development, but that wasn't till age 16. Mm -hmm. So I think, trying to implement that education, either into fitness classes, I, you know, at school PE mm-hmm. classes. Um, and I, you know, I agree there is definitely progress. Like I know one, one area that's definitely shown a lot of progress, even since when I was in high school is uh, concussion treatment and awareness. Mm-hmm. So I think that is really important, but I think particularly for, um, male athletes, young male athletes. There's still that go hard macho mentality, and it begins in youth.
3: Mm-hmm. So I
2: think that's really where um, we can kind of plant the seed: is, is going, you know, into youth teams, getting specialists, getting professionals, and educating these kids and educating their parents more so, because ultimately, you know, children are a reflection of their parents in those ages and they're so impressionable so exactly. making sure that it's not only the kids that that are you know being educated on these issues but their parents
3: as well
1: so given your knowledge of everything uh and through your career has there been any strength and conditioning coaches or professors who who help shape your your view of fitness and performance training?
3: Um,
2: that's a really hard question. For me, particularly because um, I've done three strength and conditioning internships. Mm-hmm. One, My first one was when I was 16. So, you know, obviously being 16 years old, that was kind of an intro to me. And they taught me a lot, you know, about the basics and definitely set me ahead of the curve for, for my age. And then I spent three years doing strength and conditioning with athletes at Mac. And that was just an incredible experience all around. Uh, Trying to think, I mean, honestly, uh, one of my professors who I ended up taking three or four courses with, I think four was actually more on the sociology side of kinesiology. Mm -hmm. And I did courses with him that talked, looked at things like gender in sport and the different pressures that come from being a male athlete from being a female athlete. And there are, there's numerous on either side and they're totally different. Uh, And I think getting that point of view really helped me when I went back into the weight room, because I did, I worked with different teams. I worked with women's rugby for quite a long time. I worked with men's volleyball. So the way I'm approaching those two teams is going to be different. You know, Mm -hmm. they're different pressures associated a with field sports versus court sports there's different um, pressures associated with male athletes and with female athletes so I think that you know the what I learned from that professor and his courses and his coursework was actually it seems less direct because it's not like you know a fitness class or a you know exercise physiology class but i think it actually taught me a lot of things that are really important um for trainers you know specifically sport development trainers to be mm-hmm. aware of and to be educated in and that often they aren't
1: well that's 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 great man it's good to hear and it's uh you're you're very well rounded and and you have a great understanding as an athlete a former athlete and a coach and you're getting that social background because a lot of people only pay attention to one aspect of an athlete, which is the, the end result. But they don't understand all the intricacies that go into performance. And it's <laughs> it's great to hear someone talk about that. Um, so if I were someone looking to follow in your footsteps or, you know, just, just like achieve some level of success as an athlete, what would there, like if there are three pieces of advice you would give, what would it be?
2: Um, do you mean as a, as a coach or as an
1: athlete? Uh, uh, Caitlin, speak to it as a, as a coach, if I want to become a coach um, and then okay. as an athlete.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think there's so many things uh, and, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still very early in this, in this field, but I think one thing that's really important and that often isn't really spoken about too much is knowing your scope. And what I mean by that is knowing and working within your scope of knowledge. Mm -hmm. If you have your personal training certification, that's awesome. Be a personal trainer um, for general populations because that's what that prepares you for. But don't market yourself as a sports development trainer or specialist unless you have that experience or that knowledge. I think that's something that's really common that I've seen at least is – gyms that are gyms or trainers facilities whatever it may be um that are personal trainers and then they suddenly add on also offering sport development training oh, or, you know, yeah. also offering offering team training and that's triggering to me because it's a completely different world mm-hmm. and you know my experience and my education has has been more in the sport development side so i'm actually more comfortable training athletes than I would be gen- general population. You know, it's not to say that if you have one, you can do the other. Um, you know, certainly general population is usually the first stepping stone, but there are people that think, okay, well, I played a sport, you know, and I, you know, I had I had a trainer when I was playing this sport. So, and I'm a personal trainer now, so I can do this too. Unfortunately, word of mouth is so big in this industry and the problem with that is you know once you misstep or once you know someone someone who's been to other experienced trainers comes to you and sees that things don't quite add up Mm -hmm. you know then you're in trouble so yeah you know i'd say know your scope and work within it and you know do the necessary steps don't skip steps Mm -hmm. You know, don't shoot too high do the do the necessary steps Learn what you need to learn before you try to implement it in the gym or on the field or wherever you may be training.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, um, good, and uh, it's another one. I'd say, especially, you know, I'm not a big social media lover, I'm not going to lie. So don't let social media um, dictate your attitude. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like we've talked about, we're living in a world where the number of followers or the number of likes you get um, is associated with your merit. Mm-hmm. And that's often not true. Mm-hmm. So remember that, like I said earlier, everything online is a narrative. Um, you know, you don't know who's ha- who has fake followers or who has, you know, um, or what their, what their true story is. So just focus on yourself and what you can do to set yourself apart and what you can do to make sure that you're staying true to whatever you provide social media with, because Mm -hmm. that's how you're gonna gain your own self-efficacy in what you're doing. And then uh, last of all, I'd say have fun. It's a really fun field to to work in and take risks. Um, It's a really exciting field, like I said, and there's so many different areas of expertise So if you have the time and the money and the opportunity, do an internship somewhere. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I've done three. I would happily do more. Uh, Most gyms, many gyms, particularly sport development gyms often um, offer clinical services as well. And they often rely on interns. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there and that's where you're going to learn and that's where you're going to get connections and that's where you're going to get, um, you know, more education without having to pay for it. (laughs) So it's a, yeah, it's a really good way to get contacts and get that actual practical experience, which is unmatched in this field. You know, you, you really can't learn this field from a book. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, that's what I would say. If you have, if you have the time, the money, the opportunity, find somewhere and inquire about an internship because they are invaluable.
1: Well, that said, Miranda, thank you so much for your time for coming on here today and, no and speaking your story and educating people about how fitness and performance training. Um, it's vital. And you know, hopefully we'll be able to connect in the future and, and, and <laughs> help some some of the upcoming guys.
3: Yeah. Sounds like a plan.
0: <laughs> Man. <laughs> That was another episode of the Free Game Podcast, episode five. Be sure to check out the rest of our episodes, man. There's, there's a lot of stories on here. There's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of education. You can learn a lot. Um it's a lot of future we're playing on here. I gotta get uh maybe some different music, but uh I like futures, so I can't even front of him. But I really appreciate y'all for listening to another episode, man. That really means a lot, bro. I don't take you guys for granted. Um Stay tuned, man. We got a lot coming for you. We're gonna keep this thing going. Um, if you haven't, you know, you know where we've been in the community. We've been doing a lot of food drives um, because of COVID. But um, you know, COVID kind of gives us perspective. It kind of changes things, and you know, it's, it's a blessing in disguise. It gives us time to slow down and you know maybe appreciate our family. So really take that time seriously and just. You know, don't take this time for granted. Prepare and do what you need to do to get yourself right for the transition out of COVID. Um, You know, connect with whatever family members and friends you need to. We don't know when our life is done, and when our time is done. It shows you how little control we have of life. and It's kind of crazy, man, but you know, that's my two cents on things. And I really just want to thank you guys for tuning in to today's podcast once again. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. I really appreciate y'all. And just share this movement and let everyone know what we got going on here. Love y'all, man.